Hello and welcome to our podcast. Today we'll be interviewing teacher-to-be Kelly Brace with our host Jordan Whitaker. We hope you enjoy our podcast and will subscribe to our channel. I want to kind of start this podcast with a different spin. Jordan Whitaker is going to be my host for today, but I want to start by asking myself a question. And that question is, how the heck did I even get into teaching? How did it all begin? And I want to share with you something that's very special to me, and it's a memory of my first lesson at CHG. So I walked into the classroom, and I expected for there to be about 300 people in the class, and there were 60, and that's when my mind got blown. I realized that I was in a school that was alternative and that things were going to be different. That didn't change my perspective on teaching, however. I'd always kind of thought that teaching was a sport of encouragement. It was something that was simple. It wasn't rocket science. Pretty much my kind of aspirations at that point was was to become an art teacher and basically just encourage students to be creative. I didn't think it was anything beyond that, which to me, now that I say that out loud makes me think what the heck was I thinking it's so much bigger than that and I remember um Karen Webster she was my lecturer and I was in the ES116 class and she was talking about the psychology of students and how students work and how we have to understand the way they've grown up and there's like so many things to consider and I remember sinking in my chair thinking what have I got myself into this whole teaching thing is so much bigger than what I um, first thought and there was this moment in my my kind of teaching journey where I realized that teaching was not encouraging yeah it included encouraging but it was not only about saying, good job, Jane, or you can do it, John. I realized it was an intricate profession that included many facets that I would need to learn and understand. And from that, I I realized that I was going to have to value growth. This idea of having an open mind and willingness to continually grow and strive to be the best quality teacher I can be, um, And giving that to my kids as well, teaching them that they should always be growing, teaching them that they can't just have one mindset, they have to keep growing and growing and growing and that's a value I hold very dearly to my heart ever since that um, pivotal moment in my life where I first joined CHC. And I also kind of realised that As a teacher, I would have to have this almighty dignity for every student and see them in the eyes of the creator. And I think to have dignity is a conscious appreciation of sacredness and of the individual creation, which is actually um, from the Catholic Educational Code of Conduct. And I just love the way they describe the human being as a sacred individual creation Um, every student that I encounter now will be treated with dignity and honor because I now understand that 
they're so much more than someone that needs to be encouraged. Former Kelly self, I just want you to tell me a bit about how the ego dropped. Uh, it has been quite a journey and I have to say that I'm continually still working on it. Um, but one kind of memory comes back to mind and I remember it was my first prac out and I was paired with a very experienced lady. She'd been teaching for over 25 years, I think. And I was pretty cocky. I had in my head that I could do anything, that I didn't need to observe her. I could kind of just do this all on my own. And then I walked into the classroom and straight away my heart dropped as I watched her and I thought, how the heck am I going to do this? How am I meant to remember all this? She's doing this thing and that thing all at the same time. How did she even get the students to respond to that? How is she controlling the behavior? And I had a total freak out and realized that, oh my gosh, I'm way out of my depth and I didn't know everything. And suddenly my ego was dropped and I realized that I was going to have to humble myself for the rest of this journey and continually humble myself. I'm, I was going to have to be in a place, kind of like a positioning of my heart where I was willing to have criticism and learn from that and learn from others rather than just doing it all on my own. Mm, okay, mm. so it sounds like you, you learned some great lessons. Oh, and yeah. So in terms of, I guess, humbling yourself, what was it like when you did do that? Like, was it a positive thing, you think? Or was it, do you need the ego? Um, uh, I, found, I definitely found that humbling myself changed my whole outlook on teaching. It changed the way I kind of looked at things. And it kind of also brought out this new fire in me where I realised that I had to be flexible, that I had to be a teacher that would be willing to be open to new ideas, to be open to different kinds of ways of teaching, to be open to how my classroom's being run, what my students are thinking. And yeah, that's like another another kind of value that's in my code of ethics that I really, really value. I just, I want to be in a place of flexibility. And um, I'm just going to read to you something I wrote down about flexibility and I'm um, sorry if it sounds a bit formal, Jordan, but I, I just really okay. worded it kind of well and I just wanted to read it out loud the way I've written it. So a teacher who expects all his or her plans to go to plan, plans to fail. That's a quote that I've kind of always heard. My mum's always said it and I've kind of just adapted it into teaching. Anyway, I'll continue. Having the flexible mentality creates a room for successful, lesson, um, for successful lessons. Marsh Pitway, 2014. It allows the lesson to flow in the direction where the classroom dynamic, situation and mood mould to the experience. To me, 2010. And the two references that I kind of just put in there are two, um, actually three people that I've kind of, like read their articles and books and I really like their approach to flexibility and the outcomes. Uh, it's been quite a journey and I have to say that I'm continually still working on it. Um, but one kind of memory comes back to mind and I remember it was my first prac out and I was paired with a very experienced lady. She'd been teaching for over 25 years, I think. And I was pretty cocky. All right, Kelly, um, 
Awesome so far. Thank you for your answers. Um, I just want to ask you another question. Um, it's about your faith um, and your profession. And I want to find out um, what your thoughts are on the relationship between the two, between your faith as a Christian and your profession as a teacher. Okay, good question, Jordan. And I think um, it's definitely something that has kept me teaching my faith as a Christian. I don't think I would still be a teacher even going into the profession if I um, hadn't found God through it all. So one thing I must definitely give credit to um, Christian Heritage College is it kind of helped me find my faith again and become solid in that. Mm. Um, but if I could kind of pinpoint it to one memory where I kind of had the aha uh -huh moment, okay. um, I would definitely say it was in my third year. Um, I was on my second practical ever, and as you can imagine... Um, when I was talking about my first prac, I kind of froze up and I was like, oh, I don't even know why I'm here anymore. My ego just completely dropped and I became humi um, I began to get like start walking in humility. But that meant that I kind of took it the step too far and began to kind of become this isolated person that didn't want to take risks. Mm. And my mentor was fantastic and I kind of told him about this and he kind of put me in the deep end, which is exactly what I needed. And he gave me full range to create a lesson and just go with it. And he was just so encouraging. And he saw this creativity in me that I'd kind of forgotten about. And um, I realized that that lesson was amazing because the students responded really well to it. And I realized that it's so important for me to take risks but at the same time, I also realized that my job, my teaching is not a job, it's a calling because I realized that my identity in Christ aligned with my identity as a teacher. I realized that I couldn't be a teacher and be this isolated person and then be me the way God sees me and not bring that into the classroom, if that makes sense. So I kind of saw this integration of who I was outside the classroom and then who I was as a teacher integrate together. And to me, that is pretty much what I define being a teacher that aligns their faith. Because who I am in Christ should definitely be outpoured as a teacher, regardless if I'm saying the word Jesus in my class, because obviously there's regulations at state schools and stuff, but I want them to be able to see that. And the only way they can see that is if I'm truly myself. That's fantastic, mm. Kelly. It's lovely for you to, um, for me to hear about your experience and how you felt empowered by that, um, by that mentor, and how you were able to connect your faith with your profession as a teacher. Mm. It's kind of hand in hand. Thank you for that answer. Um, so I think we're ready to move on to the next question. If you are. Yeah. Um. I also just wanted to touch on. Yes, go ahead. Um. I just remembered that. Uh, one of my lecturers, he gave me this fantastic book called Walking in the um, Classroom, Walking with God in the Classroom. And it's kind of been my textbook at hand for a lot of my assignments. And the author is, um, what's his name? It's Van Brummelen. And he kind of wrote this book in 1988. And that is something I'll never forget something he said he just said walk in the classroom with faithfulness 
a dedication to your students, a dedication to yourself to always be praying for them, to always have them in your thoughts and kind of outpour your faithfulness in God in them. So that's like one of my um, key virtues I kind of walk by in my code of conduct is having faithfulness for my students and for myself and letting him kind of take control of that. So, yeah, I just wanted to add that because Mm. it's kind of been essential in my journey. And also, like, the whole thing with risk-taking is another thing that I want to add about my code of conduct. It's kind of – it's been a journey, but I've really learned that I have to encourage my students to take risks. Otherwise, like – I don't, I don't see the point of teaching if they're not taking risks. That's what I'm all about. And I guess I can share, them, share with them that story I had of having to take a risk and trying new things and continue to outpour that in my actions. Mm. So, yeah, I just wanted to add that as well. Thank you so much. Thank you for not letting me move on. Um, that was really awesome, and it's awesome that you read that book. I think it reflects a really holistic um, and a well-rounded view and... And I guess how you practice your teaching mm. as a Christian. Yes, definitely, definitely. Recommend it to all Christians on the teaching journey. Fantastic. Um, before I move on to the next question, is there anything that you would like to add? Um, just looking over my notes. Um, I also think Miller's book really kind of highlights the importance of risk-taking in the classroom and what that can kind of envelop. Mm. Um I found that risk-taking increases creativity, it increases um, community, because when we take risks, we kind of feel vulnerable. But, um, yeah, that's kind of, like, brings up another thing I value is rapport with students. They're not going to take risks if they don't have that rapport. But I think um, there's another question coming up that maybe highlights that a bit more. can elaborate on that. Fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> All right, well, um, with that being said, are we ready to move on? Yes, I'm ready to move on. Excellent. Not like we're rushing, but um, that's fantastic answers. Thank you. So I'm going to ask you another question. Um, I want you to tell me about an experience in the classroom during your practicals um, that has actually changed you or a memorable experience. Um, I could even bring it down to one student that's changed me and it's kind of an unsuspecting student perhaps the most the the student that made me cry has changed me the most I still remember it to this day I was you know it was my most recent prac and I still remember um walking up to this girl and she was looking on her phone and I just said could you please put your phone away in a really cool casual way because that's the way I was as a teacher I was you know, I still had that idea of being encouraging and loving, but still had, you know, all the rest of the information behind me. But I just wanted to be a chilled teacher. And I remember saying to her, you know, put the phone away, please. And she flat out ignored me and just kind of like, you know, put her hand to my face and was like, I'll oh, just wait a second. And um, I was just like, no, can you like, please put your phone away? That's unacceptable. And I remember her being like, look, I'm talking, like, and she was so rude, and I ended up getting the phone off her and saying that she can come talk to me after class, and she gave it to me, and I turned around, and as I turned around, she pulled the finger at me, and I didn't actually know she'd done that. Um, My mentor pulled me, 
well, first talked to the student and then pulled me aside and said, look, I just want to let you know that... Uh, no, actually, she didn't do it straight away. So at the end of the class, I was kind of feeling bad that maybe I was being a bit harsh on the student. And um, so I got the student to come back and said, why are you here? And she goes, because I was being the B word. And then I was like, yeah, that's all you really need to know. And I said, you can have your phone back. And then she kind of just like took the phone and left. Um, I didn't really make her apologize or anything because I didn't know she'd done anything wrong. And then my mentor told me afterwards, she goes, why are you so nice? And I go, well, I just, I remember saying, well, I don't know. I'm like kind of black and white with this. Like, I'm just, I just feel like I need to be loved to these kids. And I don't feel like it was necessary for me to kind of make, force her to say sorry or whatever. And um, my mentor was like, are you aware that when you turned around, she pulled the finger at you? And I said, I, I had no idea. And she goes... Well, I didn't tell you because you, if you were in a classroom by yourself, you wouldn't have been aware that she'd done that. And this is the way you would have treated her. She, and then my mentor said, I want you to be aware that it's not black and white. Every student's different. One student may be going through a lot and stuff and they need you to be like super calm and stuff. But then another student like this one needs you to be firm. I'm always firm with her. And that's how I kind of get her to behave and have a good relationship with her. So yeah, it was through that journey that I realized that teaching is definitely not black and white. It's colorful. Every student's different. They all have different uniqueness within them that I have to treat them in that way. So yeah, like from that birthed even more of my code of conduct where I kind of um, learned that every student needs to be respected and valued as an individual and sometimes that means changing the way I treat them um, individually culturally just depends on who they are I think respect comes from understanding one another Mm. Um, and also yeah just like giving that honor to them but Mm. still being fair and treating them to yeah, um, I have just. Uh, I actually want a bit of bit of clarification, if that's okay. Just because that's a really interesting story. Um, how do you think this particular student viewed your nice attitude? Um, and then how do you think she, like, how do you think she actually saw you? Yeah, I think <laughs> she saw my nice attitude as weak. She saw it as unloving. She thought that you know, I kind of just didn't care about her, which was really weird because. I did care about her. That's why I didn't want to shout at her or be firm or force her to apologize. But I guess because she's a, a different kind of student, she needed me to be firm with her. And um, a famous academic by the name of Julian Wimglass says that respect is a key foundation for creating open and a welcoming environment. So in a sense, because there wasn't that respect built because there wasn't me knowing her, um, it kind of set me up for failure, and which is why I've like learnt that you have to have respect in the classroom. You have to have that um, rapport. You have to know your student. You need to know who they are and what they stand for, um, which kind of builds on the idea that uh, it's... 
probably one of my favourite authors of all time, Dave Burgess. He wrote Teach Like a Pirate and he kind of says, without rapport, you have nothing. You have no respect. You have no opportunity for risk-taking. You have no opportunity to give your child dignity. Pretty much without knowing your students, you're setting yourself up for failure and your mum's will pack your bags and go home. So rapport, key, key, key in pretty much everything within my teaching. I've learned that I have to have the relationship with the students if I want to get anywhere. That's fantastic. Yeah. Um, just one more question because I love this issue. Did you see the student later in a class and did you like, did you change the way that you treated her? And if so, like, um, how did she react to your changed attitude? So, yeah, this kind of brings in the idea of integrity and walking with the best intentions at heart. Um, yeah, so pretty much I was only there for four weeks and I didn't really get the time to kind of address that but I'm hoping that in the future I will have more students like that so I can kind of see if that would outwork but I think by the end of the four weeks that I was with her it was not a fact a matter of her behavior changing but it was a matter of my fear kind of disappearing and me walking with dignity and knowing that I'm loving her now the best way I can and just kind of sticking with that I think that's awesome, Kelly. Yeah. Um, it sounds like you have a really open view on different, um, you know, I guess, attitudes towards students or different, um, you know, depending on the student, whilst having those, you know, solid, um, you know, values of, as you were saying, respect, integrity, and rapport with students. Um, so with that being said, and everything that you have said, is there anything else that you'd like to add about that experience or about the things that you've said? I think that that pretty much sums it up. It's, it literally is a combination of having respect for your students, building that rapport, and then walking with dignity and knowing that integrity, I mean, knowing that, you know, you're walking with the best intentions and you're kind of honouring that student. Something like a bit off track, but um, Paul Willis, my lecturer, he used to be a deputy principal and he kind of said something you've also got to take note of is Part of walking integrity is dressing up nicely and making sure that, you know, you have good breath and you're kind of approachable. And I guess in that experience as well, I kind of dressed a bit too young, which made her think that I was at her level and that she could treat me like that. So that's also something that I learned to change as well, just being mindful of how I dress and, yeah. That, that's awesome. Yeah. That practical um, you know of actually dressing nice and having fresh breath that's gonna definitely you're on the ball <laughs> that's gonna make students want to be open with yes that's awesome yes all right so um the next question is i guess about you know resources um so what um what resources do you actually use um to keep up to date with the teaching industry and with other teachers um, and if so, why do you think it's important to, you know, refresh up on these new teaching ways um, with these resources? So I listen to a lot of podcasts. I read blogs, books, and also engage with professional development with other um, people and kind of ask what they're thinking about. Mm. And kind of through this recent experience, it's only recently that I've been doing this, I've realized the important 
benefits of having community and having that collaboration with other professionals. And I've kind of started to realise how important it is for students to do that as well. So I'm kind of in the process of integrating that into my lesson plans where I create an opportunity for students to collaborate with one another. And I think, you know, a lot of research suggests that them collaborating builds on their social skills, it builds on them as people and it expands their learning. So, yeah, I've kind of realised through these resources, like it's so important to constantly growing as a teacher, but also it's important to build that community for your students um, and that kind of collaborative element of teaching which I believe should be integrated into every single lesson. We There's so much value that can be kind of expanded from learning from one another. So um, sounds like you have a really well, uh, you know, this is just one question I want to ask, because um, you've pointed out that you have resources that you draw from, knowledge, and you've also pointed out that you really value community um, within, you know, talking with other professionals, which then outflows into your teaching methods. What do you think is more important or how do you mix the actual raw resources um, and then the community aspect of, of um, you know, collaborating with other professionals? Uh, so do you mean how do I mix, how do I kind of use those resources to create community? Yeah, or like just which do you think is more important, the resource, the reading or the collaborating? Well, I definitely think that the resources gave me the information to know that it's important to collaborate. So they kind of go hand in hand. Um, I think that using resources can create collaboration because it can find a middle ground where we can connect with the students and understand where they're at. So say I'm looking at a resource that in, that's talking about how to incorporate Pokemon Go into a classroom. I'm able to kind of collaborate with my students and see where they're at. If Pokemon's goes, what's they're into, then I need to learn how to use that resource to create collaboration in my classroom where they can all find kind of something that they're interested in and work together to find a middle ground and enjoy that learning experience rather than me kind of going in without knowing anything about my students and then not seeing the results that I want to see. I just want to read something that kind of David and Donto in 2013, who were both um, academics, kind of made me realise about collaboration. I realised that collaboration can be used as an instrument to build like a kind of healthy and bonding community between myself, my students and the wider community. And Pretty much if students don't know how to collaborate, I don't think they're going to be able to integrate into society. They're not going to be able to understand how to interact with society and how to get jobs and stuff. So yeah, I just want to put an emphasis that within my code of conduct, collaboration is key. And I think from collaboration, that's how we create community. And without community, uh, yeah, from a biblical perspective, we can see that Jesus had his 12 disciples, he had his family. Um, they grew up in a community and I need to build that with my students. They need to feel like that they, that my classroom is like home. It's like somewhere welcoming and inviting. Well, Kelly, um, all these sort of conversations about your teaching experiences and everything has been so great. 
Um, I guess I want to ask you another question. And the question is, if you could tell your former self four years ago something you didn't know, what would it be and why? Oh, wow, that's the nail biter, Jordan. Um, really hit it on the head. Uh, what, a, what a big question. And there's so many things I'd like to say to myself. Um, but I think the key one is teaching is not a job, Kelly. Teaching is not a job. It's not something that's going to bring the the money in. It's going to be something that will continually push your boundaries, will continually make you grow. It's going to be something that is not just going to be a job. It's going to be something that you have to put your whole heart into. It's going to be something that will take over a lot of your current dreams in a good way. It's going to be something that will change hundreds and hundreds of people's lives and go for it. Keep going. Don't give up. Mm. Listen to your parents. That's awesome. <laughs> so yeah. it sounds like through that, that lens that, you know, you're learning all these lessons about humility, about, um, you know, your, your, your relationship with, with your faith and your profession as a teacher. Um, and I think that that's awesome that you have that optimistic view and that you're teachable. Um, with that being said, is there any other things that you would tell yourself? Um, oh, another huge thing. I know it's kind of boring, but uphold the safety regulations of being an educator. There's nothing more important than ensuring that when students are at school, they feel safe. And the best way for you to do that is to know what the safety boundaries are and how to handle them the best. If you see, like, anything that could potentially harm the child, then, then do the best you can to ensure their safety. We live in a 21st century um, where a lot of bad things do happen and it's my job as an educator to ensure that my students have the best safety and it's kind of something I never really thought about till recently, but... Yeah, I would definitely tell myself, um, read the safety regulations and learn how to fill out a form because you could save someone's life and it's something you're going to have to be um, continually learning throughout your teaching career. So you might as well just hit it on the head and understand it. That is a really good note, Kelly. And uh, if I was back in school, I would definitely love to have you as a teacher of mine. Oh, thank you, Jordan. It's much appreciated. Excellent. So that rounds up the questions. Um, and thank you so much for answering. And uh, yeah, that's the end of our interview. Thank you. Thank you for having me on your show, Jordan. No worries. You've just been live with host Jordan Whitaker and undergraduate teacher Kelly Brace. Subscribe to our channel for more insights into the teacher lifestyle.